This is First, Last, Best, Worst. The only podcast recorded on a Tascam 4-track cassette tape. We explore the craft of songwriting with our guests as they perform the first, last, best, and worst songs they've ever written. I'm your host, Carl Banks. I'm Taylor Rogers. And I'm Paul Blackwell. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey guys, thanks for uh, tuning in for another episode of First, Last, Best, Worst. We are coming at you live out of Studio G. I'm Taylor Rogers. How are you doing, Carl? I'm doing wonderful. I'm Carl Banks. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you're Carl Banks. I'm Taylor Rogers. Um, we're pros. Yeah, we're doing it. Uh, so yeah, Thanksgiving ended. We're getting into Christmas season. I have a big gripe with Christmas music. What's that? I don't think there's enough songs about wanting to fuck Santa Claus. Because <laughs> if you think about it, there's only two songs. What? The, uh, Santa Baby. Santa Baby. That's and it. I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. <laughs> that's that's it. it. That's not enough for a playlist. <laughs> well, it's, I, I saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus. I mean, that's kind of about, I always I thought it was about like mom and dad. It's kind of like admitting that there isn't a Santa Claus. Mom and dad might be getting No, it's about being horny for Santa Claus. You completely (laughs) misinterpreted that, Carl. I fucked it up. But anyways, this isn't um, a podcast about how hot Santa Claus is. No, no, but I'm getting a little um, hot just talking about it, though. But no, this is not. This is a podcast about songwriting and the craft of songwriting. And I'm so excited that uh, we have uh, Keith Zenos in the studio today. He is uh, part of the band Brother Reverend. And it's a band that um, conceived in Atlanta, executed in Brooklyn, and uh, we're going to hear his songs. And they ju- you guys just came out with an album in September, uh, The Tables Turn Too Often. Uh, you can go check it out. And he brought some vinyl for us today to listen to. And I've been listening to it. Um, uh, for You sent it to me a couple weeks ago. I've been, it's been on rotation in my house quite often, and it's quite fun. So I'm excited to get into this. Could you play for us uh, the <clears throat> first song? Sure. <laughs> Feeling here is nearly frozen, and the thought occurs to you to leave it open. Conducting chemistry while the others sit around waiting patiently. You gotta be joking, the window was open. Curtain's gone When you make it On your bed The room is spinning And it punches you In the face While you're grinning So you lean Outside the door But the joke Just wasn't very funny Anymore Go out and get me a young secretary And rest my head When you look outside your window at the night Just try to separate what's wrong from what's right Pay for your cheap rewards When you lay all your babies out on the floor Manage the reason 
reasons and doctor the seasons careful now and when you don't want what you defend the thieves take their turns in the end it's late again Take their turns in the end. That was rad. That was awesome. I love it. What's, do you have a title for that one? Uh, it's called The Atmosphere in Here. Um, is, is this the first Brother Reverend song, or is this the yes. first one you wrote? This is definitely not the first song I ever wrote when I was like 12. <laughs> we've, uh, had, we've had some of those on before. That would be too much of a humiliation. Right <laughs> so when did you start playing music, and uh, when did you start writing music? Um, I started playing and writing probably when I was around 10, um, I don't know how I came upon it, really. It wasn't anything in my household, um, mo- mostly through friends at school, I guess. Um, and we pretty much after... We, oh, I played in, like, the middle school band, and I played percussion in the middle school band, which was a cool thing to do because you could play the drums. But because I was the first year someone older got to play drums and I had to play the bells for like <laughs> two years, which wasn't cool. Um, yeah, and then me and my friends started a band pretty quickly when we, my friend's dad had guitars and I'd go to his house and we just started figuring it out, I guess. It was, Do you, what was the name of that band? Did um, you have a name? No, not at that point. It was just me and my friends messing around. Um and we were, you know, back then it was, we were like the Misfits and the Ramones, mm-hmm. Dead Kennedys, um, that kind of stuff. It's sort of where I, my early influences, yeah, like that. I can't really listen to a lot of that stuff anymore, but. And then when did guitar, and that's when you started playing guitar? Yeah, I started playing guitar, and friend's then, dad. yeah, my friend's dad, and then I got a guitar, and then my dad actually had a bass uh, under this bed in the, in the house and uh, it was always under there and I wasn't sure what it was and then he saw that I was taking an interest in music and he said oh you should play the bass and it was a, a 59p bass that, oh wow that um, I guess he, he was get he borrowed it from his neighbor and then his neighbor went to Vietnam and died and then he asked the guy's mom if he could keep it oh wow and so he kept it and uh, I still have that bass really yeah the bass is always a good instrument to start on when you're young because you're like, it's only got four strings. Right. And usually you're only playing one of them at a time, whereas like guitar has six and you got to play like all six of them. So. Yeah, but compared to the basses I had come across, my friends' basses and stuff, which were, you know, like Ibanez and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, this, you know, had like the original strings still on it, the original big telephone cable flat wound <laughs> strings on it. It was really hard to play, mm-hmm. but I learned how to play on that bass, and so I always... I always have my action really high still on all my guitars, uh-huh. and I, I, I don't know, I just thought of that, but maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so take us back to that song that you played. Uh, when did you write that? Uh, I wrote that when I moved up here uh, to New York from Atlanta. 
Um, and yeah, it was just one of the first songs I wrote up here when I was starting to, I guess, I decided I wanted to start a new band. I had played in bands and stuff, but I was like, I'm going to start my own band up here. And um, I just started writing songs. I mean, it's obviously a Hank Williams ripoff, if you could hear that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, that was just one of the first ones I did up here. So that, that, was, that kind of became the basis for uh, uh, this project that you're doing now? Yeah, it's that was the beginning of the Brother Reverend band project. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, are you always writing on guitar, or are you write? Do you do like lyrics first, or are you writing simultaneously? It all happens at the same time. Sometimes I'll have a line that um, I mean, there's specific examples of different songs, but I'll have a line. And I'll be like, oh, I need, to, I want to use that in a song. I want to use that idea or that phrase, and then I'll try to cram it into something if I don't have music for it. And then that'll be the goal to fit around. Like that's sort of like the meat and then a sandwich of the bread around it. <laughs> um, but yeah, sometimes it'll be like a phrase I really want to get in there really importantly. But sometimes it'll just be a song I write and it'll just be me humming the melody, you know, for months. And then I'll make a demo of it and then put scratch lyrics on it with, you know, nonsense words and then eventually get to the real thing. And then Brother Reverend... Uh what what's the uh, composition of that band? Uh, originally, kind of... it was uh, it was this uh, Fletcher, who's my drummer, mm -hmm. and um, this guy Johnny, who I knew from Atlanta, who I played with in Atlanta. He's a guitar player, awesome guitar player. Um, he moved to California, and then um, other people were playing bass. Uh, but it's always sort of just been, and then they moved out, they left, and it's always been me and Fletcher and other people sort of rotating. And uh, because I can play all the instruments, and I generally write all the parts, although I don't always want to, but I don't know. I'm totally a control freak. But, I don't know. but uh, then I, I can sort of like get people to play them or, but ideally I want people in the band who contribute awesome individual things, but it's, yeah. it's hard having a band. It I don't is, know if you guys know. Pretty difficult, you know. I play solo mostly, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy, just, you know. Especially if you go on the road, it's like I only have to worry about myself, and I right. can sleep in the car. Yeah, there is to. there is like a real. Uh, it is kind of relaxing playing solo sometimes because you're like, well, maybe I'll make a mistake, but I can. I don't have to worry. You know. You know, it's it's easier to accept a mistake from yourself sometimes than having to like look over at some guy and be like, you know. Right, or you make the mistake and then you're like, sorry. I yeah, up, yeah, yeah, it's easy. yeah. I wrote Keep this song. I, yeah. I don't even know the tune. <laughs> the cool thing about a band, though, is if you have really talented people, they you can get surprised. You know, like, like my sort of ideal is I write this song and then I bring it to all these people and then it becomes this whole other thing. Right. Because a lot, some of the time it'll be just me recreating the demo in the studio, which mm -hmm. is kind of boring for me. Right. Like, there's no element of surprise or anything interesting or new happening. Yeah. And so I almost need it to be more, like, off the cuff in a way. And yeah, I've had the best things happen when it's just sort of like, let's just try it. Mm -hmm. you know? I find that with this podcast a lot. I feel like this is kind of like a band because it, I mean, it is so obvious, but it's a lesson to learn is that, like, Taylor will come up with things that I would have never thought of you know and it's like that's the joy of it you know right. and sure there's frustrations of like getting everybody in the room at the same time and on the same page about things but then whenever you're making the the thing it's like it's quite enjoyable to hear yeah the spontaneous generation of uh you know just like synergy of you know people's tastes and ideas right. uh, interacting in, in unexpected ways and becoming greater than 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 the sum of its parts is you know i mean that's what a, uh you know 
that's that's the best thing about being in a band. Yeah, just playing in a room with other people and hearing all the all the sounds mixing together and something will happen that wouldn't happen individually, even if you were like overdubbing everything. I like to record generally like everyone Live. together if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the way like it's something in, in like the low frequency will, like will interact or it's just more like magic can happen and more unexpected. I think the best things happen when you can't plan them. They just sort of happen. Yeah, unexpectedly. yeah it's just it's, it's human communication in real time. Well, what we would like to do is get to the the latest thing that you've done and and play your last song. And if you could maybe set this up for us a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of like, a lot of my songs are a lot, uh, whatever ha- is happening in my, not my life, but what I'm into or doing or listening to at the time. Um, so there's that John Prine song, I think it's uh, Angel Montgomery, mm-hmm. whatever it is, where he starts it off and says, I'm an old woman named after my mother. Mm-hmm. And, and I just thought that was so cool to hear, to hear right. him say that. So I was like, I'm going to start a song saying I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this, this is. is. Okay. <laughs> so um, that's where that came from. And um, the, 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 Around uh, when I was writing, and I was watching a lot of these um, Rainer Fassbinder movies. Who's this German New Wave director? Um, and he, a lot of his movies are about sort of like the commodification of people and what we have to do for money and these kind of our identity and how it's tied up. It's you know heady sort of European. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then I was also reading this um, prostitution memoir uh, by this girl and. Um, because I'd warned, I didn't, I didn't know what I was gonna do or what it was gonna be, but I just had all these things I was reading about, and um, so, yeah, all those things are going around my head. I hate to say it's about this or this, but mm-hmm. there's just different lines that you know. All right, cool. Let's hear it. Excited to hear it. All right, I got some more of my water here. <clears throat> I am a woman who loves too much The softest thing you will never touch Oh, for lust it can rust Become disgust Hold you up A tender crutch Oh, when you're a woman It's hard to live when humans just an adjective. I forgive and forgot, forget me not. Over and over, and that's a lot. I'm fond of the future, I've stayed uncouth. I've made my peace with the Aryan youth It's the truth that I sell and I live well If one can live easy, why live in hell? Oh, you and I in a little cell Oh 
just along, just along for the ride. When you're a woman, it's hard to heal. When love is just another deal, so you kneel for your stuff. It's off the cuff. Sooner or later, it's enough. All、oh, fighting for scraps, society dolls. They seek themselves. They play their roles, but I'm a ghost who is bought. An afterthought, teaching you what can't be taught. Oh no, 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 no. That was great. Um, you, you're saying it's just with a working title. Do you think it's a completed song?、Um, let's see. What seems to me to be, but I'm just wondering how you feel about it. I think it is complete. The only line I don't like is、um, saying the word "society" at the end. <laughs> Something about that bothers me, so I, I say it kind of funny, like I did.、Um, <laughs> Why does it bother you? It just、um, it just seems like juvenile or something. You It's know, hard、like、to sing the word "society" you know? without sounding like a fourteen-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's yeah, exactly. And so I'm I'm like I'm just that's the one part I'm thinking. I, can I change that? But the idea of、um, Society doling out, you know, scraps. I like, but that's another weird. Scraps is such a weird word to say.、So. <laughs> and then you know, writing is like different than singing, and right. That's the only thing that bothers. But then there's all the great part of feeling being a ghost and an afterthought, which、mm-hmm. is so great. And、um, and then the song form. Can we talk a little bit about that? I'm、sure. trying to wrap my head around exactly what you're doing, but you're like throwing in diminished chords right, right, occasionally right. and stuff. Well, how are you? How, oh, I remember the original, the original idea for the song was I was watching、um, Paul Simon play, the,、uh, you know the song American Tune?、Um, He's playing、no. a version on, on Dick Cavett. Okay. I'd never heard it before and I was watching and I was like, that's such a great song. And it's nothing like that, but I just learned the chords of that and I was like, I'm going to do a song kind of like that. It doesn't、mm-hmm. sound anything like that.、Um, That's crazy. I love Paul Simon. I don't know、yeah. if you're familiar、oh, with that tune. And, I might have to hear it. And the studio version isn't as good as his live version.、Uh-huh. I think he did it like a, a couple times in Dick Cavett.、Um, but it's so great. And、uh, I had just seen that. And,、uh, and that was where this song started. Um, John、yeah. Prine and Paul Simon; those、yeah. are like <laughs> my two heroes. And then the diminished chords were because、uh, I was learning a lot of Elton John stuff,、mm-hmm. and he always does like that. He always add、mm-hmm. those diminished chords in. Yeah.、Um, like in、uh, it's like、uh, what is that song? Whole, uh, holy, uh, holy Moses or whatever. What is it? Anyway, <laughs>、um, I forget. I don't what it's know. Every, I'm not. I love Elton John, but I don't know the whole repertoire. That one. I have been anyway, and then it goes like it's in that.、Uh, I forget. I forget what song. It yeah, that, it, that's cool. Like you know, it peaks your ear up a little bit. It's a little yeah, because、uh, I'll hear stuff and I'm like, what is that? Like, what are they? How are they doing that? Right. 
And those are cool because it's like an F and then it's F sharp diminished. So you can play that, but then like with doing it with the bass, you can just walk up a half step so it sounds cool. Uh-huh. So I like doing, I like writing a lot of cool parts. Like I like doing like weird stuff with the bass. And do you foresee that this will then translate well to the band or you just kind of? Well, I have a demo of it, mm-hmm. and um, the demo sort of sounds like, uh, you know, like Candy says, like the Velvet Underground uh-huh. is like, you know, sort of like ride cymbal, sort of mellow, right. two electric guitars, like panned or maybe, um, but I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be yet. I f- it, it's, it should be like, it's hard. It, the hardest thing, it's like, well, it's easy to write the song, but like you write the song, and then it's like, oh, now i got to figure out how to do it. <laughs> like how to record it or how to arrange it or how like the the feel or the vibe I want right. to put across because you could when you're playing live it has to have yeah, some energy right maybe not but yeah and then because um, it's all about like the feel because even like when I would do vocals in the new record you know some songs like I could sing it more sort of like uh, slyly or like bratty than another or I could sing it more you know subdued or I could sing it louder and there's just like a zillion options, <laughs> right? And so that's hard sometimes to figure out. Like, yeah, what is this? You know. Yeah, I think it's it's important to just uh, to have a, a strong sort of direction that you're going in overall. Right. To kind of because once you're starting to record stuff and arrange stuff with the band, it's it's easy to kind of lose your way, um, get lost in the miasma of all right. the different choices and endless variations of what it could sound like. Right. And, uh, you know, that's why it's so important to have a strong direction so you know, like, what not to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes I've, I've had to stop and just be like, what is this about? Like, what am I trying to do, you know? Yeah. Like, sometimes you have to come back to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Or walk away from it for a while and come back to it. Yeah, that helps, out. that helps a lot. And then sometimes it, like, forms into this, like, cohesive thing while it's, like, marinating or whatever when you're not playing it and then it comes back and you're like, holy shit. I know exactly what that feeling is that I'm going for. Yeah, right. sometimes not playing it for three months is exactly what you need to. Oh yeah, to finish it. Yeah, because I'll have I have like whiteboards in my room and I have like chords everywhere and I'd love like learning about chords and doing chords things. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll have a song and I'll make like little scraps of them and I'll have them on paper. Or I'll have them like recorded, and then. I'll just get. I'll be like, yeah, this is garbage. Like, I can't. Like, you get too close to it, and you can't tell. Mm-hmm. And then you just, and I just, it just gets filed away. And then I'll go back to it, um, like a couple months later, and be like, oh, I don't even remember how to play that anymore. Like, that's <laughs> cool. Like, I'm hearing it as another person would be hearing it, right? Which is sort of what I do sometimes too, is try to put myself in the place of the person who didn't come up with it, right? Yeah. I find that like whenever you make a decision, it's hard to stray away from that. That's why time helps because you're just it whatever it is, if it's a lyric or a chord choice or something, you just keep going back to that. And you're like, no, I don't want to do that, but I've already heard that. And it's in my ear and I just want to keep doing that. Yeah. And then that's why space helps. Yeah. Do you feel like you have any um, just particular specific habits or tics as a songwriter Mm -hmm. uh, that you, that you find yourself going back to? You mean chord? It's all about yeah, the chords. chords. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to do, like, new things, and I feel like, um, actually, a lot of my songs, some of them have, like, a lot of parts, a lot of them, um, which is why the record was also called, well, there's double meaning to the tables turned too often. It's about how two people can switch roles. Uh, but the title song on the record literally is, like, a song with not really any repeating parts. It, the parts just keep changing, so it's like the parts keep changing often, the tables, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, 
And part of that is because I just like to keep things moving because it's interesting. I like to do things that are unexpected because um, I listen to a lot of music sometimes and I can like almost predict what the next thing's going to be. It's just so like formulaic. Um, but sometimes I think that can get a bit tiresome. So I'm trying to maybe do a little less of that. Um, but I was talking to a friend the other day about I was also I was also really into Metallica when I was a kid. And I still think Injustice for All is like this masterpiece of a record. <laughs> um, but the arrangements on it, like those songs, they're like eight-minute-long songs or whatever, and they have all these all these parts. And right. I think that always kind of stayed with me, just having all these like different parts. Yeah. I just like that. I don't know. I think it's, and it's more fun to like write it. Uh-huh. You know, instead of being like repeat one, two, chorus, verse, chorus, it's just more fun, you know, just to be like, Unexpected. My song, the songs I like the most are just have like weird things in them. Right? Yeah, it's like a journey when you're going on. Any other artists that you can think of that um, personify that? Um, With parts, I don't mean to put you on the spot, right. but no, yeah, so this Metallica. is right. Um, I don't that know. is kind of the point of interviewing someone. Hey, I didn't come here to be put on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'm trying. Um, I just feel. The oh, you know, well, another huge influence on me are the, is the Ventures. Are the Ventures? Um, that was like a gigantic. I like blew my world open when I heard that on the radio for the first time, because um, I love like guitar and it was, um, it was like all these cool minor chords, and the arrangements of those songs, like especially their original songs, like a lot of the stuff they did covers of things that were still cool, but, um, you know Bob Bogle and Mel Taylor and Don and um, I forget Don Wilson. Um, some of the most like incredible arrangements and chord progressions like that's a huge influence on me all those chord progressions and just how it's they basically took Chet Atkins but made it rock and roll like less jazz mm-hmm. and then just put like a backbeat behind it and he's like one of my favorite drummers I used to love to just like play drums along with the ventures um, so they have a lot of cool parts I something I got from them is how they'll do they'll have an intro and like a different key and then like the actual verse will start and it'll be it'll modulate to a different key or it'll be um, a di- totally different song. It sounded. I mean, it'll just be like something completely different once it starts. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess the Beach Boys have a lot of parts too. I yeah. like Brian Wilson I type love, stuff. Yeah, I love the Beach Boys. Yeah, it's staying away from just like the, just using all major or minor chords, having like a lot of sevenths and six and diminished and augmented things just in there. Right. Just kind of keeping it like. Yeah, the, the Beach Boys have so much weird shit. Like in so Smiley, weird. when it, there, there's that one song, "Vegetables," uh-huh. where it's like you can hear them like cracking celery or yeah. something. I think that, that was Paul McCartney. Oh, I think, really? Like the legend is that Paul McCartney was when he was chomping on the celery. On that. Like, but <laughs> yeah, he's I, un- I knew there was like a bit of a rivalry between them at the time with psychedelic music and stuff, but I didn't know that was Paul McCartney. Well, Pet Sounds influenced them to make uh, Rubber Soul. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think the rivalry stuff's like played up a little cuz they were Probably. always like in the studio with each other you hear and it's uh-huh. like oh Brian Jones did this on this record and right I, th- I mean yeah maybe a, rivalry's not the right term but they're both right. pushing, pushing right. each other right and I feel like that's something I think was so great about but it was just like have you heard this new record and like we got to do better than that right and I just like that sense of community is not yeah, but it, like it's not a real rivalry cuz you're right. still going in and like laying down lo- some celery on your it. friend's <laughs> tracks <laughs> right you're like, Paul, can you stop by the supermarket? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're moving right along. Uh, what we like to ask you to play is uh, your best song. Right. And if you could set that oh, up. Oh, you saved the worst for last. Yeah, worst um, for the last. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I might just play one where I don't have to look at the paper here. That sounds good <laughs> to me. <laughs> it'll be easier. Wandering back to you 
find a clue Well I'm overdue For anything new You're always coming around Keeping me down In the trap I think that's a I started feeling alright Oh, can I come over If you want to Oh, I do Ooh. Hey, I thought that we were friends I just need some help That was great. Yeah, awesome, man. <laughs> Definitely a country feel to it. Yeah. I think any any song that goes boom, boom, boom. Yeah, know, that walk in, up. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know you're in a country territory. Um, I want to talk real quick before we get to that song. Can we talk about your uh, gear here? Well, you're playing oh. this sweet silver tone. Sure. How long have you been playing this, and where'd you get this X? Um, I've, I've had a number of these, but unfortunately throughout the years I've had to sell them. And then rebuy them. <laughs> um, Finances of a musician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, but this one, I've never had this particular model. This one has uh, the two lipstick pickups in it. They're actually made from like old lipstick cases in the fifties or whatever. Um, I've always played silver tones. The, this one has. Oh, sorry, this has the amp in the case. I don't know the model number. I always forget. But this is like the nicer model with the two pickups, and the neck is a lot. Um, it's just better. I don't know. It's just thinner and just more. It stays in tune better. It's a it's a long scale. It's a regular scale. Some of the other ones are short scale. Um, and we're going through the amp. Oh yeah, what we're playing through my is, little amp in the other room. Is the case? Yeah, it sounds great. I don't know why we stopped just making the cases the amps. It seems like a much better system. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm you know I play. Um, I'm sort of into you know equipment or whatever, and uh, I've got like a an old '64 Guild Starfire. I've got a 66 Fender Mustang. 
Um, I usually play live through a, like a 67 um, deluxe reverb. My bass obviously is like 50, cool. Right? 59, yeah. That's crazy. But uh, my, my dad actually uh, sanded it down and painted it with orange house paint. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, not, it's not worth what you might think it is. So it's bright orange, yeah. <laughs> Sort That's classic. Orange, yeah. <laughs> and then where did you get this? Um, I got you... this on eBay. Oh, okay. Uh, some, from some, some music store in Chicago. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that lipstick pickups were actual lipstick cases. I just thought it because it... Uh, right. No, they literally be... use them as, like, as... I don't know if they're spare parts. They're cheap to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing else sounds like these guitars. They're super responsive. And um, I have another silver tone amp at home. And it's just so, so pretty. And it like I have the, the original Jensen speakers in it, and it's just so like papery. It's like a paper sound to it, and it's just really responsive and touch sensitive. And you know, it's like Silvertone, notoriously like everybody's first guitar. You right. know, Hendrix, and you buy them from a Sears catalog. Right. You know, which is pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. Well, going back to that song that you just played, uh, why do you? Why did you consider this uh, one of your best songs? Um, like I said, because because I thought I could play it without. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just came off successfully. I, that's sort of how I look at it. Like, was my original intent like sort of carried through? Did it become what I wanted it to? On the record, uh, my friend John played pedal steel on it. Okay. Um, I was I was listening to a lot of George Jones at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, super cool. Um, I tortured him all day. Like we just went through that song over and over, measure by you know, like bar by bar, and I was just like, all right, do this, do this, do this. you know. <laughs> I was really just directing him, and but he like came up with some amazing stuff for it. Um, yeah, he's so talented. It though. seemed to lend itself so naturally to pedal steel. Yeah, I mean, I wanted. I was like, I want a song with pedal steel on it. I'm gonna write one, and uh-huh. so that's what I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then. Uh, I, yeah, I, actually, uh, another way I sort of get ideas for songs was is uh, there is actually a George Jones song where he says something about for the first time, and then it was just that line. I mean, sometimes I'll hear a line in a song and I'll be like, "Oh, they should have done this," or it would be cool if they would have done that instead after that. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of the seed of that part. And then um, the rest of it, there might be some Al Green stuff in there. It actually is one. Of, it's actually the first song I ever wrote with a major seventh in it. Oh, because right. it, it does like. There's like that thing in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so the chords are changing, and it's like a walk down bass. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a cool f- turnaround. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's it's the bass walks up, I think, in the half first half, and then it walks down in the second half, or maybe it does the opposite. Um, but I always love that cool chord stuff where in the chord there's stuff going down mm-hmm. half steps, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but it's but they're mo- you know the chords are doing something different, right? Um, I thought I created the uh, major seven when I was in high school. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, that sounds so good!" Right. Yeah. But a lot of stuff to me is a lot of people use that. <laughs> right. A lot of stuff to me is really just shapes. Yeah. So to me, it's like upside down triangle, <laughs> or like a D seven. It's like that's the upside down triangle, and then um, that's funny. You know, that's like what Phoebe, when Phoebe was playing guitar on the show Friends. Uh-huh. You remember that one? Oh really? <laughs> she has. She doesn't know any of the chord names, so she just calls them like. Whatever, chicken in a barn or something right. like that. I, don't know <laughs> I mean, I kind of think like that still. You know, it's just yeah. Sometimes just a pleasing pattern on the fretboard is can be the inspiration as much as the the sound that it's making. Right, and progressions to me are still like, oh, this is, 
mm-hmm. like the gospel, you know, progression or like the duop progression sort of. And then mm-hmm. um, I for a while I was doing, I mean, I always sort of like jump in the, uh, I still don't even really know if like, so you play on the one and then like if I'm playing a G and then I go to like a B7, that whole like gospel progression, like where it walk, I, I, that's uh-huh. in like all, like so many of my songs. Yeah. yeah. The Ray Charles sort of right. progression. Well, I wanted to bring that up. Uh, in your one sheet, you had mentioned that you put your, your songs through the Ray Charles test. All right. <laughs> what is the Ray Charles test? Um, just like, uh, it was more maybe for the last record because some of the songs in the new record are a little more modern sounding, a little modern to me. Um, but just like, um, there's certain melodies and scales I'll usually avoid. I think a lot of my songs are sort of based in blues. Um, I don't know about God. I mean, you say blues gospel, people think it's going to sound like something else. But um, I just if I need like if I can imagine Ray Charles singing it or like Al Green singing it, that's like sort of how I know it's a good song. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. on to something. You know, like, but you know, it is. There's just like certain things and just certain. I don't know. I hear stuff on the radio, or whatever, like new bands and stuff. And I'm just I, like, I would never do that. Like, I would never do a guitar thing like that or a progression like that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Right. I can't really give an example, but it's out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, that brings us to uh, the end of the line. The uh, the worst song. The worst song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So this is just a song off the last record, and I don't think it's like a bad song. There's a lot of great stuff in it, but um, it just didn't come out right on the record. It just, oh, okay. It just didn't like come out the way I wanted it to. I, I had bigger hopes for it, and I just couldn't make it work. So know? it's a little like disappointing, in a way. Yeah, like it's the one yeah. I skip. You know, if mm-hmm. I have to, listen, if I'm forced to listen to. Um, yeah, it's called "I Can't Believe," and it there it's like a it was like a CCR type of thing, like the rhythm, and then. Um, I really, I did, I really, well, I wanted to practice this, but I didn't. So we'll see how it goes. But um, it's okay. It's the worst one. You can yeah, fuck it's it the up, worst man. one. I'll just say, oh yeah, that's how the song goes. <laughs> uh, but it has a lot of great lines in it, and it's got some. It oh, it also has that the the progression I was just talking about. Well, this one goes to F to A seven. Oh right. Yeah, I think I got like Irma Thomas sort of thing in that part. But anyway, so here here we go, and we'll see what happens. And all right. Well, I can't believe that they've taken all you've got And I can't believe that they don't when you're not And I can't believe that you would stay in this grave You're free as a slave, oh, on the day Till you get away, oh no And when he said that he was leaving Did you believe him? Cause I don't Well go criticize you some less than clever disguise You dress for a fight So I think I'll stay inside There's no uniform To keep you warm In this swarm Well now you've arrived So degenerate Okay you'll give it a try Oh no 
busy bee sorrows up his own story you'll be free well I know it's too late to get me off this hook I'm bait so I will decorate the kisses caught in death and So we don't steal Finish our countercultural meal And when you go back over your own words You get on your own nerves And I have traded all your visions Running wild through the prisons And I know that we make quite a pair so come and take my hand and I'll take you nowhere. I messed up the end, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you can't redo just the end. <laughs> I, I mean, there's I like some it. good parts in it. Yeah, definitely. I, I like, see why you would put it on an album. It's good. Yeah, I like the part. I like the part about the busy bee. There's mm-hmm. that William Blake quote about the busy bee has no time for sorrow. Uh-huh. So the busy bee sorrows up his own story. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's good and you had to choose one to be the worst so yeah. <laughs> why, why not this one yeah. it was the first that came to mind <laughs> sometimes you just write something you're just like it's fine and you're just like, <laughs> yeah yeah and you're, yeah you're like there's no re- rehabilitating it right it's, just, it's like there's no right there's no like thing that can make it better but it's sort of a complete thing i can't take this out or change it it just is what it is yeah you're just like yeah sometimes you just write a song that's like okay you know, like, right. I right, mean, you get sick of it, and you're just yeah. like, "Fine, just go away." <laughs> yeah, right. I'm done with you. It's, there's the old adage of like, "Don't, don't, never write a song that you don't want to have to sing every night for the rest of your life." Right. Because it could become a hit, and you might have to do it. Yeah. You know? So, word to the aspiring songwriters <laughs> out there. <laughs> well, the band is uh, Brother Reverend and mm-hmm. Keith Zenos is in the studio with us today. It's been a, a lot of fun. Yeah, man, had Thank a lot you. of fun talking to yeah, you. It was yeah, fun. it's been great. Um, and what the album? Is um go ahead. It, it's the table. The tables turn, turn too often. Table and it's on Spotify. It's on Spotify. You could order the vinyl. It was a very long process getting the vinyl cut and ma- like mastered and cut correctly. And um, I'm I'm really into that kind of stuff myself. So it sounds. I made sure it sounds really great. Yeah, you sent me a copy and I, I had it on rotation for a while because it sounds so good. And it's like the type of music that really. I mentioned this in my email, lends itself to, you know, kind of has that old school rock feel to it a little bit. So it just sounds really good. With yeah, little, it's a so. complete album meant to be listened to as like A and B side. Mm-hmm. It was really thought, well planned and thought out. And so. It was great, man. Uh, well, thanks a lot for coming in. Thank you. Yeah, man. Anything else that you want to plug? Any shows coming up in the next few weeks? No, I, I, I need to make, I need to schedule something. <laughs> All right, someone, someone book Keith. Someone book <laughs> Brother Reverend. We played a few weeks ago. <laughs> Where'd you pianos. play? Pianos. We played oh, pianos. pianos. Yeah. That's a good yeah. spot. Yeah, it was cool. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's what's good anymore. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. much. This has been another episode of First, Last, Best, Worst. Worst.